Well, what a great place to be on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Here in the house of the Lord. Uh, before we begin, I want to want to mention <clears throat> that we uh, um, we need to keep in prayer Lloyd uh, Jenkins this morning. Um, he's going in for surgery at one o'clock today. Uh, he fell and broke his hip on Thursday night, and uh, and he was in Amherst for a while, and he's in New Glasgow, not Yarmouth. Just if anybody made the trip to Yarmouth, which I might not have. <laughs> Had somebody contacted me, you know. Anyway, so be it. Second <clears throat> um, Corinthians chapter three. Let's let's uh, look at a passage of scripture there, and then we're going to spend some time in prayer as we ask the Lord's blessing on His Word and its application to our heart. And we're going to lift up uh, those who are in the hospital, Lloyd and Juanita, and uh, and any others that you might know about, just as we're praying. So let's read first Second uh, Corinthians chapter three. This is a uh, second part, or a third part, I forget where we're at now, to one a long time ago. David, I think you might have even been here. That's how long ago it was. Uh, so uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and it begins at verse 7. We touched on it, I think, the last time, so it would... It, it, uh, let, let me read it for you. Now, if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in, on, in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. <clears throat> and if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when everyone, when any, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who are without, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we're thankful today for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to be able to be here. And Father, to be able to be here and to to worship you in the, the singing and the songs. And Father, as we are singing, <clears throat> holy, 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 Lord, I was mindful of, <clears throat> of what your book of Revelation speaks about as, as the writer was called up, <clears throat> as he recognized the songs that were sung around the throne. 
as you recognize the depths of holiness that, that came out of your very presence, this, this very essential aspect of your nature, <clears throat> this sense of holiness that causes us to proclaim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And Father, we just, we just proclaim this with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our spirits. Lord, that you are holy and you are sovereign and you are king and you are the creator God of all that is. And Father, we recognize that you have called us into your presence. You have called us into your family. You have called us through the blood of Jesus Christ to join the vast ranks of all your people together. <clears throat> and Father, this morning, Lord, we just want to worship you in these things. And so, Father, Lord, we, we submit ourselves to your authority. We acknowledge your sovereignty. We acknowledge that you are the awesome king of all things. And Father, we are not. But Lord, we've come to learn from you today. We've come to worship you today. We've come to gather around your throne today and, and, uh, and just bask in your glory. Father, guide us and lead us. Lord, you know our hearts. You know the things that play on our minds when we gather together, Lord. You know how the enemy distracts. And Father, I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name today that, that you would just kind of push through all of that stuff. Push through any doors that are closed or windows that are closed. Or, and Father, move into the houses of our lives. Move into the center of our hearts. Move into the very core of our mind. Father, there's some today who are dealing with deep issues of health. And Father, we do remember Juanita in the hospital. And, and Father, we ask, Lord, that you would touch her in a very distinct and powerful way. And Father, we remember Lloyd this morning, even as they prepare for surgery. And, and Father, we ask, Lord, that you would, you would touch him with your peace, with your strength, and Father, with your healing touch, even if it's through the doctor's hands. Father, bless him and the whole family, bless Marie. Let your peace settle into that place. Father, we pray for those who are recovering from operations. And Lord, <clears throat> with knees and hips and all sorts of joints. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that your blessing would rest on each of them. Grant to them strength, but Father, ability to be mobile. And Father, whatever our needs are. Father, there are hidden things. There are hidden wounds. Father, there are hidden hurts and pains. There's loads of burden and agony that we carry around with us while smiling on our faces. And Father, I'm asking today in Jesus' name that your peace that goes beyond all understanding would settle into these hearts and lives. And Father, that, that they would <clears throat> remove the backpack of agony, let it fall to the ground under the cross, and rise up again as a new person through the risen Lord who is our King, who is our guide, who is our Savior. <clears throat> Father, help us today to find our way to this type of life in you. And Father, this morning I pray, Lord, very sincerely, very humbly, Father, once again, that no word would come from this mouth except it be according to thy will. Father, if it be possible, might you clothe yourself with this form. Guard and guide everything that I say. Father, for we want to know, thus saith the Lord. So, Father, lead us. Holy Spirit, claim that promise. Claiming it again today. John 
Chapter 16, Jesus promised that you would come. He would send you. You would, you would be listening around the throne and you would deliver to us the things the Father desires to say. So Father, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, speak into our hearts today. Whisper into our ears and <clears throat> help us to understand and to know what you desire. What you say. May your blessing rest on our time today as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Notice this passage. This is, a, this, this is kind of a... I don't know what I think about this, to tell you the truth. You ever, you ever read the Bible and you think, I don't know what I think about that? Probably, you, probably you've never done that. I, I, every once in a while I come across verses and passages of Scripture and I think, well, I don't know if that, I don't know if that fits my theology. You know, I know it's in the Bible, but my theology's not wrong, so something's not right. <clears throat> but notice here, it says, uh, and, and think about what he's saying. Let's, let, let's go through this just a little, uh, just kind of slowly. And um, this is what it says. Now, if the ministry that brought death, if the ministry that brought death, that doesn't sound like a gospel message, does it? If the ministry that brought death, let me think about that. How's that go for your theology? If the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Well, what is the ministry that brought death? I mean, what is he talking about, death? What does he mean, what does he mean by this? You mean the gospel brings death? Is that, is that, well, no, the gospel, which we would refer to the gospel, the gospel actually just only means good news, by, by the way. So uh, if you have the Bible, you know, that says the gospel of the good news, it's gospel of the gospel, right? Kind, kind of that. <clears throat> but he's talking about here about the old covenant. He's talking about here about the, the time of Moses. And so, uh, you, you know it, but I want to I wanna just refresh our memories really quick. So let's, uh, we're not going to spend a long time on this, I promise, because I'm going to be done in, well, a long time. But in Exodus chapter 33, <laughs> in Exodus chapter 33, we got the passage here. And, and you, you know what it is, but, but let, 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 me, let, me, let me go through it. If you want to follow along or, or note it down, uh, you can, because this is, this is really, this is pretty cool. And it's very applicable to today. And so Moses is, is leading the people out <clears throat> of Egypt. They're all out, and they're traveling now, and he goes up the mountain, right? He goes up the mountain, there he meets God. So a lot of the people, although they were God's chosen people, didn't really know what that meant. Our first clue is this. Although they were God's chosen people, they didn't really know what that meant. So God was about to reveal himself to them. This is, this is cool, because we know that, uh, that, that, that God wants to bless us. We know that God wants to do things in and around us. We know that God calls to us, but sometimes we don't really know what that means. We know that God is calling us to something. We know that God has set his hand on us, and he's, and he's saying, you know, come follow me, but we don't really know what that means. And so in the same way that the Israelites came out of Egypt, and Moses said, you know, God is saying, come follow me, and I'm going to make you something. They didn't know what that was. So on the mountain, 
Moses begins this whole process of definition. <clears throat> let's, let's look at it. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, um, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, show me your glory. See, so this, is, this very passage is what Paul is writing about in 2 Corinthians, that, that one that we read there, right? Chapter, chapter 3, right? Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and, and following down those verses. This is the very thing that, that, that Paul was writing about was this situation. Now, in this situation, <clears throat> this is, I find this really fascinating. Uh, I, but I find it fascinating because, um, because Moses is talking to God, and he, he says, you know, you have, you have been telling me, lead these people. There's only a few more chapters left in Exodus, right? There's, only, there's 40, right? 40 chapters. This is chapter 33. So what has he been doing for 33 chapters? Right, that's, that's the question. He has been leading the people of God for 33 chapters. Now, now we know, because we talked about it a few weeks ago, <clears throat> he has been leading the people for 33 chapters. 33, the first two chapters of Exodus cover 80 years of his life, 80 years. Now, if I, if I, were, to say, if I were to say to you, uh, John, you're 80 years old, close, aren't you? Okay, 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 let's, you're, you're probably only, okay, let's, uh, we won't go there. But if I were to say, John, okay, summarize for me the last 50 years of your life. Tell, tell me, tell me. Oh, okay, just, it's just, there's, there's, the encyclopedias of the world are not large enough to cover what could be. <clears throat> just, we won't, just won't go there. Okay, good idea, John. So, but, but for 80 years, you would think that in 80 years, Moses would have something to say. You would think that in 80 years, Moses could have said, well, you know, for, for the first few years, I was a prince in Egypt. For the, for the next few years, well, I was abandoned out in the wilderness. For the next few years, I got married to this, to this wild woman in the wilderness. And, and, and for years after that, well, we, we, we herded sheep all over the place, you know. And, but it was only like the second chapter of Exodus is where he saw the burning bush. And he was 80 years old by the two chapters. So 33. That would leave 31 to go. So in 30, it took him 31 more chapters to cover everything that God was doing in his life to that point in time. You know, and, and you can imagine as he's writing this stuff down, right? He's saying, okay, <clears throat> um, he's saying, okay, uh, uh, Miriam or Joshua, 
What, what, what happened again here? They're all getting confused to me, you know, because we, we did this, and, <clears throat> and well, you know what, we did that, and, and he said, you know, it's, you can't make this stuff up. He said, you know, the staff, I mean, that thing turned into a snake and scared me half to death because I don't really like snakes. Then God says, grab it by the head. I grabbed it by the head and it came up, became a, raw, a staff again. Well, that would have been good enough. Well, he goes on, you know, and he talks about another one and another one, another, there's 10 plagues. He talks about all 10. He talks about the Passover. He talks about the, you know, being chased by the Egyptians and the water backing up. Man, that'd be pretty cool, right? <clears throat> Standing out there by Pugwash. And that Walter Davison gets down there with his, uh, with his cane being the old guy he is. He stamps it down into the water and the whole thing backs up. He walks across to, to Charlottetown. You don't think that would be in the news? I mean, that, I'm telling you right now, that would be something you wouldn't forget. Right, David? Yes, I'm telling you. Great way to lobster fish, wouldn't it be? <clears throat> hey, Moses, come on, we're going lobster fishing today. <clears throat> but I mean, all of that stuff, you know, the quail from heaven, the water from the rock, you know, the, the, the stuff that went on over and over and over and over for 33 chapters. And then Moses said, um, how is anybody going to know the difference between us and anybody else? How does that happen? How does that happen? <clears throat> then the Lord says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said in verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. Well, God just said, my presence will go with you. And Moses said, well, if you're not going to do it, just, you know, talk to somebody else. God just said, I'm going to send my presence with you. Well, if your presence go, doesn't, doesn't go with us, I'm not going. You know, just, and God said it again, right? He said it right after that, the next verse. <clears throat> he said, um, oh, where did it say? Verse 17, you know, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, Show me your glory. Now, this is, um, this, is, this is curious here because there is a temptation that we have to believe that the glory of God is manifest in miracles. Right? Is that not a temptation we have? We say things like, well, you know, if, if, if in this situation, if God is healing people, if in this situation, if God is delivering, you know, people from demons, in this situation, if God is doing this, God is doing that, that's manifesting his glory. But that's not what Moses is saying. That's not what he's saying. He said, all of this stuff is happening. All, you know, the water and the manna and the quail and the plagues and the Passover and, and, and all this, all this stuff is happening, but show us something that will distinguish us from everybody else. Show us your glory. So my question then would be to Moses, did you not see the glory of God in the signs and wonders? And his response would be, no. I saw evidence of supernatural events, but that's not the same as the glory. <clears throat> Curious. So let's, let's turn over to chapter 40 of Exodus because I believe that's where we find something here. Uh, it says here in chapter 40, no, that's not the one. Chapter, 30, chapter 34, just one over, but we're going to go over to chapter 40 here shortly. But if you turn over just one to chapter 34 of Exodus, 
we have Moses coming down off the mountain, and that says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Um, <clears throat> when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. They were afraid to come near him, but Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face, but whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. See, that's the veil that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians, the one that we read. That's the veil that was over his face. So this, that's the context of <clears throat> what's happening here. Now, if we go over to uh, Exodus chapter 40, I just want to finish this one thing. Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34 and 35 says this. <clears throat> now, this is some, sometime later, and a bunch of stuff has happened. You know, there's, a, there's a tent of meeting that's built up there. It says, um, verse 34 of Exodus 40 says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. <clears throat> so two, two things kind of stand out from this. Um, the first thing is, is that where, the, where God is, glory follows. The glory of the Lord is revealed in his presence, right? We, we, we kind of we see that. We, we see that there's a difference between all the, the events that led up to Moses on the mountain, you know, all the, all, the, all the plagues and all the stuff that went on, all the signs and wonders. There's a difference between that and this. Okay. <clears throat> so if we go back then to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that's the context. You've got it there. It's in black and white, and you can... Leave it. Verse 7. So now Paul is writing. Paul. Who's Paul anyway? What would Paul do? Paul, you know, was a Pharisee. Well, we know what that means. A Pharisee was somebody who was, who was educated theologically and doctrinally. He had been to school. He was well-educated. He was not, he was not a, uh, one of Jesus' first called disciples. Um, he, he was one that had gone through, uh, he got his bachelor's of something and his master's of something else, and probably a doctorate of something else. He studied in the university of a guy whose name was Gamaliel, who was a very famous um, teacher in those days. And, um, and, and, and Paul was well known. Paul was, Paul was the guy that all the Sanhedrin and all the religious leaders entrusted with letters to go and to arrest, not only to arrest, but to kill Christians to imprison them, to torture them, to do what had to be done to stamp out this plague of Christianity. That was Paul. So, so put in your mind, think of somebody that, uh, <clears throat> that, you know, in our culture today, who Trump might empower. Well, that could be anybody because they'd change tomorrow. But let's, uh, let's, let's think of, of somebody, and what, what that would mean, what kind of context would that be? That somebody from, from the government was coming down, from a, and they had an authority to actually kill you. Can, can you imagine the kind, of, the kind of prestige that they would have? <clears throat> so this is Paul who got converted, who met Jesus, and Jesus changed him. And Jesus said to him, he said, Paul, it's hard for you to live like this, isn't it? 
because the very thing that you trained yourself to know, you're fighting against. So Paul writes, this is strange. Now, if the ministry that brought death. This is Paul. He embraced this. this. He was killing people who thought differently. Now he's writing this out. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? The ministry that brought death. The ministry of the Spirit is where Jesus said, um, I am come that you might have life and have it abundantly. See, there's polar opposites here. Now, <clears throat> let's, let's, let's look down here a little bit. Let's, uh, let's, let's go down to, um, I don't know, verse 12. It says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away, but their minds remained dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You know what? You understand what this is saying. This 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 kind of explains why <clears throat> why sometimes people say, you know what? I I've been reading the Bible, but I'm I don't get it. I you know I I hear what you're saying and I see something in your life, but I don't understand it. I'm trying to understand the best that I could, and and, and you know, and, and I'm thinking it's, it's about education. Maybe you got more education than I do, and and they're, and they're saying they're saying all this. But Paul here is writing this. He says, uh, "But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, so that you can see, so that you understand, so that there's there's a there's a perception that that sinks into you. Oh, I get it. I understand it." Because the veil has been removed. Um, It says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, uh, uh, not last week, week before last, I was down in Cuba uh, for the memorial service and for the district assembly and to do logistics for the March trip. So I was, I was down in Cuba, and um, uh, the memorial, memorial service was on Friday. Uh, oh, yeah, so, so they were singing, and I was trying to think of what service it was. They were 10-hour services, just started in the morning, and they went for 10 solid hours. We didn't stop for lunch or breakfast. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, they graduated two, no, they have enrolled in the seminary on uh, Cuba East, 266 students. 
They graduated 56 with a diploma in theology, 11 with a bachelor of theology, and about eight with a master's from the seminary in Costa Rica. One district all across Canada in four years, we might have three or four in one district. Amazing. Like there wasn't enough room at the front of the church to, uh, and it was at that Baptist church, if you, anyone who was there was at that Baptist, there wasn't enough room at the front of the church for everybody. It was an amazing thing. But they began to sing, um, there is freedom. There is, there is liberty, you know, and like that. And they got louder and they got louder and they got louder. Like, this is getting, they're getting really loud here. But, but then I recognized what they were doing. It actually was a protest against the government because they have no freedom. So as they were saying, there's freedom, they're, they're singing, you know, the, the reality is we have no freedom, we live in chains, but there's freedom in Christ. We are free in Christ, even though our bodies are not free, right? And I thought, ah, oh, this is kind of a protest, but also it's, uh, it's more than that. It's a, it's a proclamation of the glory of God to bring freedom in the midst of bondage, you know, which I, it's, I've, I've never thought of that before. And, but what, <clears throat> what the writer here is saying the veil is taken away, okay, so there's, and, and the veil is what clouds or hides the glory of God that's manifest on the faces of his people. It, it hides the glory of God, and as the veil is taken away when we accept Christ, that's, a, that's what he says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Okay, now, that's, that's the background, all right? I got an hour to finish, okay? <clears throat> so that's the background right there. Let's, let's just draw, snap that to a close. Hold on to all those thoughts. The next question that, that I have to ask is, what is the glory? What is the glory? We beheld his glory. Glory is of the only Son. You know, <clears throat> so what is the glory? Well, let's, let's, let's do a little, little examination here. John chapter 17, Jesus talks about this. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn over, you can. I'm going to read it anyway. If you don't want to turn over, you'll, you can listen. <clears throat> John chapter 17, verse 24, says this. I'll give you just a minute to get there. John chapter 17, verse 24. Because it, it, is, it is, if we are manifesting his glory, what is that? What does that look like? How are you doing that? How can you encourage that to happen more? If you're at work, and whether it's up at the plant, whether it's at the prison, whether it's at home, whether you're retired, whether you're in the, in the, in the woodlot, whether you're tapping the trees, are you manifesting the glory of God? How do you know that? What does that mean? Okay, so Jesus talks about this. John chapter 17, verse 24. Let's look there first. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love... Oh, I'm reading verse 26, sorry. You thought I was wrong, wasn't you? And will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus begins with this, and he ends with this. In John chapter 17, he begins this, and he says, uh, 
Uh, he says, Father, the time has come, glorif verse 1, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sons. And so he ends it, I have, I have made you known. This is life eternal that they might know you. Verse 26, I have made you known. I will continue to make you known that the, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Let's, let's weed through the chapter a little bit. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me, why? Because you loved me. Okay, so verse 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. Glory is tied to the love. Did you notice that? The glory of God is tied to his love. Let's, uh, let's, let's go over to, to verse 21. <clears throat> verse 21 says, uh, where, verse 21, there it is. He says, verse 21 of John chapter 17, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Again, so then the glory is not only tied to his love manifest in the life, but it's tied to his presence manifested in our lives. So to manifest the glory of the new covenant, what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 there, it means that there has to be a relationship. It's tied to his presence within us. I and them, as you and I are together, so we want them to be together. You, you and me and I and them and, and all, of, all of us together. John, John 17, John 16, John 15, John 14, all talk about the same thing. It is about the presence of God being in the individual. It's about as we turn to Jesus Christ, God comes and makes his home with us to show out his glory. And his glory shows out in his love. So I decided this. <clears throat> Eddie, don't correct me now if I'm wrong back there. I see you lurking in the background. <clears throat> I've decided this. The glory of God is the manifestation of the effects of being with God. The glory of God is the manifestation of the effects of being with God. So I thought, I thought to myself of a couple of examples. Um, no, no, let's, let's, before I give you those, let's, let's follow the trail of the glory. You ever do that? Follow the trail of the glory? Number one. This is in your own life, by the way. So only you can answer this question. Sometimes you get up on a Sunday morning and you say, I don't know if I'm going to go to church today. Not feeling like it. Now, whoever's smiling, I know that was you this morning. <laughs> Marilyn, am I talking to you? Yeah? There you go. I'm going to look around here. There's too many people smiling. <laughs> okay, Nicole, you're not smiling. You scare me a little bit. <clears throat> But how do you feel leaving church when God is here? Yeah, you feel good. 
You feel awesome. There's a trail that follows that as we spend time with God, you know, we leave church and, uh, and, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you get up and you say, you know, I'm, it's snowy out or it's rainy out or I'm not feeling good. You know, it's been a tough weekend, a tough week. And then you think, no, I'm going to church because I know when I leave God's people in the presence of God, I feel better. See, that's the beginning following the trail of God's glory. Okay, number two. First of all, how do you feel when you leave the presence of God that's in a setting such as this? No, God's presence never leaves us, but there's something that builds up when his people are together. But number two, I've noticed that the trail begins slowly. I've, I've noticed that it begins slowly, and, and we're not always aware of it, you know, but, but as we gather and as we sing, and we sing songs like we did this morning, we sing, uh, you know, um, I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was worshiping this morning. I don't even remember the songs we were singing this morning. But, um, but as we were singing them, I thought, I thought yeah, Lord, I, I can feel your presence beginning to grow. It's beginning to manifest. It's, it's moving up through, you know. And, and sometimes as it's, as it's happening, you're thinking, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I just can't stay seated anymore. I've got to stand up because the glory is growing. The sense of God's spirit is growing. Things are growing up inside us. But it, it always begins slowly. And number three, you follow the trail of God's glory, and you, you always find this, that you can stop at any time. Number three is that sometimes we settle for this much. We settle right there. We say, you know what, this is, this is great, and, and, I, and, I, and I like being in church, and, and, and I feel good when I leave the church, and, and we say, okay, that's my quota for this week, right there, that much. When I get that much, my cup is full. I don't want it to spill over too much, but that's how much glory I want, right there. And we, we get away from the spigot. We turn it off. So John chapter 16, verse 12. I quoted this. I quote this. One of my favorite ones. Jesus said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to get there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10 says something very similar to that, except now it's not one of the disciples, it's the, one of the apostles. It's Paul who wasn't with Jesus in these early days, but he says something almost identical. Verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit teaches all things, even the deep things of God. But we settle for this much. Just that. My cup is full. Holy Spirit, that's all I want to know today. Don't bring any conviction on me today. Don't, you know, when the sermon ends and that preacher starts talking about, you know, personal stuff, I got my cup is full right there, and I don't want any more because I don't want to deal with that issue, and I don't want to deal with that issue, and I don't want to deal with that issue. My cup is full. That's all I want. I was praying about it this morning. This is what the Lord said. Make a run for the deep zone. Make a run for the end zone because the bomb is coming. You know, there's a touchdown about to happen. You get yourself as far down to the end zone that you can, and I'm going gonna, gonna to wind that football back, and I'm going to rifle that thing that far down the, down the line. 
Marty, get to the point where you can score on the goal because there's a, a puck coming your way. But that's what the Lord is saying. Get yourself to the end zone. Get yourself to the, to the point where the, where the glory of God just, just rolls around you and basks over you. In John chapter 13, uh, Jesus says this uh, very curious thing again. John chapter 13, verse 35, <clears throat> he says there, a new command I give you, love one another. You see what he says? That should be on Facebook. Well, here's something new. Here's something novel. You people need to love each other. Right? We've heard that before. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now listen, by this, all people will know that you are mine. By this, all people will know that you are mine. Now, if we were to turn over to Acts chapter 4, and over in Acts chapter 4, there's another peculiar thing. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says here, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, they were ordinary people, they were astonished, and they took note, uh-huh, these guys had been with Jesus. You see, the glory of being with Jesus was manifesting in the everyday experiences of life. We recognize that Jesus said that, you know, as that, that love plays an intricate role into manifesting the glory. The disciples took a hold of that, and so much so that everyone else, you know, who, who met them in, throughout the book of Acts as they were doing their thing there, they said, you know what, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, these guys, they, they, uh, they're, they're good people. But they were, they were like us, common and ordinary. I mean, there wasn't any superhumans there. There wasn't any X-Men there. There wasn't any superheroes there. These were, these were just good guys. So how and what made the change? And the only thing they could find was they had been with Jesus. And the glory was manifest in that way. Well, remember when you were little and you go to camp? Remember that? Remember those days? Or, or maybe you're big and you go to camp. Maybe we've never been little. I wonder sometimes, look in the mirror, I'm walking on a treadmill now. You know, I know you notice a difference, right? Yeah. But remember the times at camp, for instance, family camp. Let's say family camp or kids camp. I remember this one time at, at boys camp a long time ago. Doug Woods was the director. Remember that, Walter? The Sugar Creek gang under the trees and all that stuff. Those, those are good days. But, but I, I, remember, I remember accepting Jesus Christ into my heart as a little child. And uh, I remember coming home from camp just, just really spiritually energized, just really charged up, you know, and, and I, and I remember thinking on the Saturday I got home, I thought, I don't even want to watch TV. And I thought, well, something's wrong with me. You know, because I always like to watch TV on Saturday afternoon, you know, because remember uh, um, Gunsmoke was on? Remember that? <laughs> and The Rifleman, that was on. And, and sometimes there was a Saturday, wasn't there a Saturday afternoon movie or something? I just forget. It was usually a Western anyway. And I really liked that. But I thought, I don't even want to, I don't, I don't want to watch. Something had happened inside. 
And still happens, you know, when we go to camp and we, we start to ride the high of the roller coaster. You know, when, when, when sometimes people go down to Cuba, that happens because we have services in the morning for four hours and services in the evening for four hours, right? So it's eight hours a day we're kind of worshiping or in church or something like that, you know, and, and then you come back and you're on this, on this high because the glory of God is manifesting because you have spent so much time in his presence. It doesn't, it's not about a location necessarily, it's about time in the presence. You don't know what it's like if you don't pray in the morning, what's your day like? You know what it's like if you do pray in the morning, and if you pray extra time in the morning, your day goes better. You know that if you have a problem and you begin to pray about it and leave it in God's hands, things happen around you. Solutions come. Why? Because time in God's presence manifests his glory in so many different ways. It just, that's how it works. You know, I was in Japan once. And uh, we flew into Tokyo, and uh, some people met us, and we took a, we were at this, the Grand Hotel, really expensive hotel, and the rooms were about the size of that grand piano. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I thought they were joking, it was a, I thought it was a broom closet, you know, except there was a, there was a bed in there that I couldn't get around, right? I mean, it was just the time of the room, Tokyo. And... Uh, so the next day, it didn't matter because we were only there one night, but then we got on this train, and the train was like 80 U.S. dollars for lunch. That's 100 bucks Canadian or 200, isn't it? You know, and I thought, lunch? I thought, man, I didn't bring enough money for here. But it was a four-hour, it was a bullet train ride. It was fast. Man, we got on that thing, and you buckle your seatbelt, and you hold on for dear life. You know, and, and we, went, we went zooming down to uh, this little town called Toyoma. And, um, and we, we started out, it was kind of tropical in, in when we started, and, but we went through this big snow belt. And I'm telling you, I've never seen heated roofs. Did you ever see a heated roof? I thought that'd be a great thing in Canada. But what happens when all the snow comes, I mean, they got six feet overnight of snow. And that was normal. And so they had these heated roofs, and they flicked the switch, electricity, I suppose, and the, the water was just running off as the snowpack was melting down off the roof. It was quite a thing to see. And uh, man, there's a lot of snow. But we were flying along at about 200 miles an hour on this bullet train, and, uh, and we got to Toyoma, and uh, we stayed at this really, really nice hotel. I don't remember the name of it. But then we went out for supper. Now, I don't speak Japanese. We had to take our shoes off at the door going into this place. There's a moral to this story, by the way. And it's not just a story. Had to take our shoes off, took our shoes off. We sat down on the floor, you know, on these little cushions, and I kind of wedged my knees under the thing, under the table there. It was lower than the, than, the, than the altar here. And we had the menu, all in Japanese. And I probably mentioned I don't speak Japanese. So I had no idea what I was ordering, right? And I didn't know that they bring it to your plate alive. No, I'm not kidding. It was alive. And there were things that I didn't know were that ugly. And, uh, but one of them was, it was, uh, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know because I don't even like calamari, but it was kind of like calamari with the head cut off and then they put soy sauce and all these tentacles start moving on your plate. And these people, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, my soul. Well, I, I, I did kind of said, you know, something about, do you not have a fried egg or something, you know? And so, it's, oh, yes, yes, we have eggs. Wrong choice again. 
They brought this little bowl. Well, they brought me, they were fish eggs from a male fish. Give that some thought. They dug them out on the table. They are about that big. They put it into a yellow brothy soup thing. And I thought, I'm in real trouble. Right? Anyway, it, it went on. It got worse after that. And, but there it was. I tell you that story for this reason. <clears throat> I can only tell you half of it. I can only tell you a little piece of it. I can, only, I can only tell you certain things. I mean, we were there a week, and some of this stuff happened over the course of the week, you know, but it's, it's very short. But if you want to experience it, you have to go. It's great to hear the story. Oh, I lost a lot of weight. <laughs> I've been working to get it back ever since. <clears throat> but the reality is, it's a great, it's a good story. There's a lot of funny things happened, and the other guy I was with, it wasn't a, it wasn't a church trip. It was, it was something else, and it was a business thing. And, and, um, and, and uh, actually, the town now is gone. It was destroyed in the tsunami that happened there. They, they, they did, um, they pumped up deep sea mineral water. They actually, they found a number of, of biochemicals in it that were really kind of cool, but it's all gone. It's all gone. But the point is, it's a good story. I like to think back to that. I like to think back to the people I met. I still see the boss of everything, him in the car. Hi, 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 hi. Somebody tell him the story because it was polite. Hi, hi. means yes, yes, yes. The whole way through, I can still see him as we're driving down the road, all packed in with these Japanese and this little Toyota. There's about 30 of us in there, you know. <clears throat> but, you know, you're like this. And, but it was a good experience. It was a lot of fun. But it's just a story. Unless you experience it. Unless you make the trip. Get on the plane, fly beside a little East Indian family with 30 kids. Actually, that's a true story. <laughs> the air, the, uh, the um, stewardess came to me because there was, there was a little family there and they had 30 kids. Well, not, maybe not 30, but it sure seemed like it. And the stewardess, stewardess said to me, she said, how much alcohol would you like? <laughs> I said, that's not going to help me one bit. <laughs> but, but it's an interesting story. There was a lot of funny things. But you will never experience it unless you go. See, my point is, we can talk about the glory of God all we want. And I can explain it to you over and over and again. And we can, we can talk about Moses. We can talk about all the plagues. And we can talk about everything. But if you don't get on the, the, the ship to get there to experience, it's just going to be a story. And Jesus said, this is life eternal that they might know you. And I have given them my glory so that they can have the relationship with you that I have. That's our opportunity, is to have the relationship with the Father that Jesus had, that the glory of God would be manifest in the world around us. That's our opportunity. Not just to hear the story and to have, you know, it's kind of funny, some of the things, but, but really, but to experience the glory of God. And the reality is, if you don't, who will? Who will? Let's pray. 
Our Father, we're thankful, Lord, today for the, for the opportunities that we have to know your presence and, Father, to know your goodness and your mercy and your blessing. Uh, Father, you've been some good to us. And, Father, we see around us your handiwork, your works manifesting in this way, that way, and other ways. But, Father, show us your glory. Father, show us your glory. Lord, that all the world might see that these people have been with Jesus. Uh, Father, that, that all the world might, might come to the door of these who are here and say, and say I, I noticed something in your life that I want this something. What's the difference? How can I have this? And you say, I've been with Jesus. I got on that airplane, I got on that ship, I, I, I began the journey. <clears throat> I didn't stop it when my cup was just half full. I didn't stop it when I was just comfortable. I didn't stop it when I was just satisfied a little bit. I've been with Jesus and I've been filled up every day. My cup overflows. Father, show us your glory. Father, the world is in a hateful place. If ever there was a time, Father, that your, your church needed to be alive, it's today. Father, if ever there was a time when your people needed to have the, the fullness of all that you are, Father, it's today. <clears throat> Why not us? Why not here? Why not now? Father, guide us as we sing this last song. Lead us, Father, according to your truth. Father, I pray your blessing that it would rest on each life, on each person, and each mind and spirit who's here, that, Father, we'd be drawn to you until our cup does overflow so that the world would know that thou art God. Lead us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand while we sing. <clears throat>